Welcome to the Marshall Proof Podcast and your week in IndyCar, a listener Q&A show. It is Monday evening, 5.55 p.m., December 11th. Oh, Lord, y'all. I just finished this Wednesday's Racer Mailbag and a couple of things that might stand out and might be amusing things for you to know. Uh, In Microsoft Word... My chosen font is Calibri, so kind of a small, compact one. My chosen font size is 11, so that's not large, right? Uh, (laughs) This week's mailbag, 20 pages of Calibri in size 11 font. Two zero pages worth of questions and answers at present. And I still have to look back through it and maybe trim a few or add a few, if whatever it is. 10,107 words. <laughs> ah, this is ridiculous, y'all. Just ridiculous. But hey, uh, it's been a slightly newsy period since we last recorded the show. So our dear friend Jerry Siddeth, who puts together the questions for us each week, tells me we are at oh we're at a light 50 questions as he puts it weighing in around 3400 words uh lots of questions many of them on the same theme and some i believe i asked to be carried over from the last episode so let's do a couple things very quickly mention that i got other things to do y'all most of all spend time with my wife So I am not going to get to all your questions in one episode. I will commit to trying to get to the majority of them, but that certainly isn't going to happen in a single episode. So I'll try and go for, I don't know, 40, 45 minutes, maybe a tad bit longer, and then circle back, I don't know, Thursday, Friday, something, maybe do a part two. There'll be some other news coming uh tomorrow morning tuesday morning there'll be some news i told you to look out for i think my final end of day video maybe at portland i don't know uh but more news coming not a crazy amount of new standard news that i'm aware of but news nonetheless uh written some other things working on some other pieces some of them related to last week's news which has inspired a lot of questions here in the podcast and also the mailbag so uh we'll try and do about half the show now and then the other half later let's say a huge thank you as always to you and the questions you send in if you would like to join the ever-growing listener group the prude listener group check out the description has the email address to fire that thing off to you'll get an auto response and it'll walk you through the whole process of meeting your new family that family is just a bunch of really cool fun interesting and loony characters uh solid representation on the loony and wacky part of your host of all this podcasty stuff uh big thank you as well to cooper tires the justice brothers torontomotorsports.com and discount tire for all they do to support the show some of them for six seven years now so we're really really super fortunate to have 
some long-standing partners who are appreciative of y'all and your listening patronage and the love you give them. All right. A little pew, 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 pew. Sorry, I'm having to do that with my voice. I don't have the sound effect uh, readily available right now, but let's get into the show here. The questions, the order, you name it, all that stuff put together by our pal Jerry, of whom we greatly appreciate. Uh, we open up with at Hawkeye Todd or TOD or something. What is the state of IndyCar right now? Well, it's okay. There are some concerns, without a doubt. There are some issues that have been issues. They're now getting a bit more attention than they did in the past. Concerns over would we go hybrid? Wasn't something that myself, others just had a notion of a week or two or however long ago. Um, it's been a concern for years hybridization has gone through many iterations and evolutions whether it's vendors timelines uh wanting to acknowledge who's doing things who isn't doing things um this has been a fraught process it'll get to the finish line though we have a number of hybrid related questions so i will save going any deeper on that for right now on the bigger stuff related to Honda and their very loud message that was sent, um, I'll get to that in just a moment as well. But since an opening question isn't a specific one, just say the state, yeah. There are some worrying things. None of them that are showstoppers, meaning if this thing isn't fixed, Within weeks or months or even a year, it's all going to come collapsing down. I don't believe, famous last words, I don't believe we're facing anything that could cripple IndyCar or kill IndyCar. There are some growing concerns, either for those who are seeing them or willing to acknowledge them for the first time within the series, could be a team owner, manager, drivers. We're seeing more drivers speak out about wanting newer things, different things, better things in ways that I got to admit, they impress me. Big fan of folks that don't believe something's right for standing up for what they believe will make that thing right. It's part of the, the free will and all those good things that we have. We also know, as I've mentioned here in the podcast many times, the new owner and owner super executive level of the series, oh, they are not fond of people speaking their mind, saying things that contradict their will, their belief. The fact that we are seeing more drivers or hearing more drivers on their podcasts in print, on social media, go against the grain. Knowing ahead of time, they're going to get a nasty gram from the series for saying something that is critical or demanding or otherwise. Take that. Take that as a interesting aspect of how to answer the question. Uh, or I shouldn't say how to answer, but a facet of the state of IndyCar right now. 
there are more people within the series, particular it's, its largest profile entities, its drivers, and it's not half yet. I don't know what the number, maybe 25%, 20%. So again, not the majority yet, but instead of, there's always one vocal driver saying something about something and they know they're going to get yelled at for it, but they do it anyways. We're seeing that number grow and some common alignment and opinions on that. That to me is really noteworthy. When more know they're going to get hammered for speaking out and they're still willing to do it. It's not about a blown call during a race that gave the victory to someone else and it's not right it's not that kind of stuff it's more longer view right if you know you're going to get hit for opening your mouth during the off season and you're still willing to do it i have all the respect in the world for those drivers and whomever else within the paddock who are willing to step up and say swing away me saying this means more to me and has greater value than if I were to just keep quiet because I don't want to get punched. Metaphorically punched. Rhetorically punched. Not physically. Uh, let's go to Matt Stoll. And I hope I didn't just murder your last name, Matt. Say, with the delayed hybrid rollout, what is the probability that IndyCar delays hybrids to 2025? Say, coupled with a new car design. Is there enough lead time for a complete changeover? Says he's sending uh, the dragon milk best to me and my wife, Shabrell. Thank you. If I was smart, I'd go crack open a dragon's milk because I think I still have one in the fridge. You know what? I'll be right back. I'm going to go get it. All right. Our cat Rocky is joining me. I don't know if that means he wants me to put some beer in his little water bowl. And I was wrong. It's not a... Uh, dragon's milk unfortunately here matt i thought it was been in the back of the fridge for a long time uh oaken barrel brewing company snake pit porter that's not a bad beer uh i don't know if it's amazing but yeah not bad all right back to the uh, regularly scheduled nonsense i take that back the aftertaste it's a little nasty but you know you open a beer you drink a beer so uh there we go all right so Matt, issue here to consider. Quick timeline, IndyCar announced its new 2.4 liter V6 twin turbo motors, May, I believe, of 2018. One year later-ish at Indy, I think it was like May 19 or whatever it was, of 2019, announced that, hey, same motors, just they're not going to be here in 2022, going to be here in 2023, and we're going to go hybrid. So that was the announcement in 2019. The internal combustion engine pushed back a year, but we're going to get hybrids. Great. December, end of November, early December of 2022, IndyCar announces we're no longer doing the 2.4. We're going to stay with the 2.2. So IndyCar's two engine suppliers agreed to help us really take major role in developing this energy recovery system and they didn't say it at the time but 
we found out they are committing their 2.4 liter engine development budgets to make this energy recovery unit take over the project, lead it, mass produce it, and so on. It's important to know the timeline here, the context of that. We get to the, the answer to close this part, Matt, and it's that we had this, hey, it's going to be there in 2022, announced in 2018. And then it was, okay, well, we're now it's going to be hybrid, but it's going to be there in 2023. And then we got really close to 2023, and that didn't happen again. And we're not going to use the motors that you guys have already designed, developed, dyno tested, and track tested, and are getting ready to mass produce, if not have already started to mass produce. We're going to stay with the old motors, but we're going to go hybrid. And we're going to ask you to help us to spend tens of millions of dollars to create these systems all so we can go hybrid finally in 2024. That involved Chevrolet and Honda going to the very high up folks in their respective corporate cultures and leaderships to say, hi, uh, we want to do this thing. It involves another delay. We're going to end up having to spend a whole heck of a bunch of money to do that to help the series, but it will indeed allow us to finally go hybrid in 2024, which is important, more relevant, stronger promotional ties for us. What do you think? And both got yeses. That means significant dollars have been spent with significant returns expected by both manufacturers for those dollars spent it's one thing if they'd gone all the way down the road matt with the two new 2.4 liter motors they'd be in real deep doo-doo if for whatever reason those motors were not brought out into competition it's another thing though when you're repurposing those budgets to help the series you like racing in in order to allow you to reach the hybridization you've said is key to continuing in the series. So with all that money spent, with the delay agreed to and approved by, again, super corporate level at Chevrolet and Honda, the and you've spent all that money and we're still not getting anything out of it in 2024, that's where I think you get a bit of a deal breaker, Matt. That's why instead of, punting to 2025 that's why you still have the and we will be going hybrid at some point after the indy 500 uh you look at the investment you look at the kind of putting their necks on the line chevy and honda to do this to help indycar there's some indycar loving folks at both brands in charge of the racing side and also their senior executive at each manufacturer who effectively put their necks on the line by saying yes okay there's a lot of folks here matt who own this agreeing to the big expense coming with that delay to 2024 who probably realize they'd be on the chopping block 
if the fruits of what they vouched for and co-signed on doesn't arrive at some point in around or before the halfway point of next season dan tenoff your next you say season greetings mp you say outside of festivus of course you really just want me to go on a episodely seinfeld is the biggest piece of garbage ever rant don't you sorry not gonna do it but i might we'll see who else weighs in on that stuff say with the delay of the hybrid system until after indy will there be an added chassis ballast used in its place until then so you can't help but think that adding rearward weight mid-season will send all teams engineering into chaos which on second thought would be quite fun say all the best to your wife and the cats um no they are not uh adding anything that i can think of um in terms of ballast or to offset what would be there if the energy recovery units were installed part of the hey this could be an added benefit that i heard was being mentioned before it was mentioned in indycar's press release was well hey but we'll be running lighter huh that that's a positive right technically it is because a couple things here have heard this i haven't called all the vendors to confirm but i've heard this from enough smart folks to not really question its validity and it's that with everyone fully expecting to go hybrid in 2024 the folks who make all the stuff on that car not going heavily into mass producing additional spares for the 2023 specification said another way hey if there's a part or component of the chassis that is going to be replaced in 2024 well we're not going to make a bunch more 2023s because in theory they'd never get used well we have a slight situation where we're not going to 2024 full spec until at least after indianapolis so had there been enough mass producing of things of 2023 componentry um they could and then shift to the full 2024 spec after indeed i've heard that was not really an option uh it's 2024 or nothing so decent amount of that 2024 stuff is lighter weight to offset the weight of the energy recovery units and so what does that mean since we're not using the ers units to open the season means we're going to go to st pete and long beach and barber and wherever else uh in lighter configuration than we were last season is it by tons now not crazy amount but uh lighter enough to where cars should definitely be a little bit faster so there'll be that benefit and i think indycar mentioned in their press release that hey there could be some new track records compared to old track records just track records but regardless the other thing here dan to close off on this topic is what we should be hearing a lot about teams testing with the final specification ers units once they are mass produced enough for everyone to have one 
and lots of testing going on. Who knows exactly when that might start? February, March, April, May. Don't think we're going to see a huge shock to the system because, boom, we just dropped in a big lump of weight, and now folks have to go race and figure out how to deal with it. Uh, I think we're going to see teams doing enough official hybrid testing, or private testing, or whatever IndyCar ends up allowing so that when we do go hybrid, teams will indeed have ample amounts of setup data and a feel for how to tune their cars. Our official Minister of Mirth, Lance Snyder, weighs in. Says, well, Honda shot across the bow, finally get IndyCar to open engine rules to get that third manufacturer on board. Or like the MSG fiasco, well, they continue to hit their head on the wall with fingers and ears screaming, la, 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 la. Um, great question. <laughs> I don't know, Lance, I don't. Uh, and there's at here yeah we got a lot more honda shot across the bow type questions it's a it's an interesting one uh mark miles uh ceo penske entertainment called saturday morning it's like oh that should be fun and you know said hey uh, i'm not sure if i did an adequate job of describing where we were at with the energy recovery system uh, in our conversations, the interviews that he and I did, which was used for whichever stories that went up. And he went on to share a couple of things. It's a quick call, five, seven minutes, something like that. But um, didn't get into the Honda stuff uh, because here's an interesting point to know. I can't really go into detail here because I was asked not to. That's why it wasn't in the written piece on Friday, and I won't obviously betray that now, but I know for a fact none of what I wrote was new information to the series. Wasn't a, oh my goodness, blindsided and sideswiped. Obviously, I called Mark to get comment on this, so it's not as if the series was not aware that this story was coming. That's not what I'm talking about, though. Uh, independent of any calls I might have made, that wasn't the only call made to someone there related to this, but regardless, can just share that the reason Mark rang Saturday morning and we discussed the previous days, Thursdays, I'm sorry, two days prior, that story on the potential hybrid delay and then IndyCar confirming a couple hours later. Um, the reason we only discussed that was because there's really nothing else to discuss related to the Honda side because, again, the series wasn't reading anything it didn't already know in that story. Just leave it at that. Series was already aware of the matters within that story. So with that said, I don't know where they're at. Mark miles. Isn't the guy to make decisions on what to do with changing engine rules, third manufacturer, or anything else. Uh, Jay Fry isn't that person 
the people who own the series who have taken all the power, all the decision-making power on anything significant at all, those are the folks who would need to decide whether they wanted to change something, how they do things, modify whatever to accommodate Honda's request to drastically reduce the annual cost of supplying engines or not. So a little bit of context there, Lance, of this wasn't something they read on a Friday afternoon and they are currently trying to figure out their position on things. They've been aware of it for a little while now. Would imagine there's, I don't know, some sort of position. Maybe not, not sure, but something I need to follow up on and get more info for. Um, I'll leave it at that and move on. Our pal Jeremiah Morell, much love to you, brother, and your much better half. You and I know what that's like, Sarah. Uh, Jeremiah says, will the news of Honda potentially walking away from IndyCar, the end of this 2026 contract, uh, will this be the scared straight moment that the series leadership needs? There's a reason that the Honda National Ad Buy shows their hybrid F1 car and not their IndyCar. IndyCar management appears to have given up on innovation. I don't know if this is it. If this is the, the wake-up call, Jeremiah, there's a couple things in here to touch on as swiftly as I can. There's a much bigger conversation taking place in the last week or two or three or whatever. I got to thank Pato Award, right, for coming out loudly saying, hey, need a new car. Mostly he spoke about the visuals, right? We just need to freshen our image. Um, I say this and fully acknowledge my jealousy. I've been saying this on this podcast for years. I've been writing it in the mailbag or other stories for years. Whatever amount of people have read it and understand, but Pato saying it, and it's awesome when IndyCar's most popular driver comes around to share your opinion, but this has been said, this has been heard by IndyCar for a good while uh, before Penske Entertainment bought the series, certainly afterwards. There was a lot more talk pre-purchase of updating things. I haven't gone back to look, but if I were to give you a pretty educated guess, the amount of stories... I have written related to IndyCar, new chassis, thinking of one, when such a thing might happen, how it might happen. I'd be willing to put pretty good money on that theme of stories, which super purposeful, relevant, and all those things for the last who knows however many decades, right? Those more or less ground to a halt soon after the series was purchased by its current owner. Why? Going through COVID, get that 2020, 2021, like hardcore, trying to keep the series alive, having to infuse tons of money, throw it in and keep it afloat. So all those things are, again, full respect, full appreciation for what Penske Entertainment did during a really hard time. 
there's also been enough time since COVID's behind us for some real thoughts and plans to be outlined for where we might go. New timeline. Hey, when might the Delara DW27 or whatever year, right? Hey, give us an idea. There is none. There's zero. There's nothing there. That's not because Jay Fry or anyone else doesn't want to have a new car. It's because folks who own the joint who have rested all serious decision-making power currently not in favor of doing such a thing. So it's only very recently than the last, whatever that is, week or two, three Pato saying, Hey, it's time. Not even really talking about, and I want to see all kinds of crazy technology, just having run through the thought in my head very quickly here, Jeremiah, the UAK 18 bodywork, beautiful, right? Transformed the look of the Delar DW 12 that debuted in 2018. Again, I know this is an obvious statement, but when we get to next year, three weeks-ish from now, it'll be 2018, 2019, 2020, 2022, 2023, 2024, seven years of the same looking car. And it still looks good. Again, not saying it has stopped looking good, but we're getting to the core issue here beyond we want a new chassis and more modern technology and whizzy stuff and whatever on the cars we're gonna be at a point where we just finished staring at the same look for six years now it's about to be seven and it'll be eight and probably nine and who knows if it'll be year 10 i right that's the issue so to close here quickly honda's note should scare them straight should have them realize huh can't just rely on old familiars to just blindly spend money year after year and go with whatever we decide to do return on investment okay that's a interesting one that really only the ones with big dollars invested can speak credibly on that but the reason we have honda promoting their hybrid f1 car is because it's more popular. It looks newer. I don't know if it looks better, but it certainly has a lot more fans who like its looks. Um, you have more drivers saying, Hey, again, just give me something really new and fresh and cool to tell folks about and show folks and flood my IG timeline with wow look at that thing indycar it's amazing it looks like it's from outer space and from the future just do that that would really help so some of the the data points you mentioned here jeremiah certainly point in that direction as a possibility that could lead the owners of the series to realize aha maybe they're not just barking because they want the latest super shifting in one trillionth of a second gearbox or whatever they just want something they can use to share and get more people interested in the series and be a conduit for their love for indycar and have it feel modern and relevant 
and new, not old and aging. I, I don't think that's, I don't think those are bad things to draw from some of these bigger topics you're mentioning here as data points. Uh, Andrew Miller say my opinion of last week was Honda management getting royally pissed off at Mark Miles state of IndyCar interviews and decided now is the time to go public with their concerns. I presume Honda's concerns were well-known internally uh, and they see Miles and whatnot continuing to pay no attention to them and thus they went public in the unofficially official IndyCar news site of record or maybe quote announced threat to leave IndyCar and quote has been on Honda's to-do list all year and December just ended up being when that happened. Andrew closes here by saying lots of people bringing up when Honda split from cart. Remember that was, I think the 20, 2001 end of 2001, 2002 or so. Um, you say, I know you weren't in the news biz back then. Um, it says, not sure if that's when you were completely out of the racing world or not. No, 2001 was my last season working as a IndyCar crew member. Uh, but how much is history repeating itself here? Yeah. Okay. So this is maybe a little bit of an abstract angle, but let me share it with you. Uh, already covered on the, the fact that this wasn't new news to IndyCar. Um, let's just go in this angle. Cause I really do think this is something. If it weren't for IMSA going hybrid in 2023, not saying Honda wouldn't still have some of these thoughts or all these thoughts or whatever, but I don't know if they're in a, such a hardcore position as they are right now. Why is that? So we have North American motor racing. There are three main series in our general hemisphere. And so I'm excluding AMA motorcycles and monster trucks and drag racing. And again, all super awesome. Just a little bit outside our world of IndyCar, NASCAR, and IMSA. Those are the big three. We look at the fact that IMSA in 2023 went hybrid in January. These hybrid GTP cars, awesome beautiful super high tech unlike any prototype we've ever raced technologically in america factory racing right primarily factory racing meaning acura which is racing facilitated through honda performance development same company that makes the indycar engines and supports them bmw right BMW Motorsport Germany heavily in right they're the primary driver behind this but also working with Bobby Rahal Rahal Dunham and Lanigan Racing Cadillac with both Chip Ganassi Racing and Action Express Racing uh, all based here out of the US and then Porsche Porsche Penske Motorsport and their hybrid 963 car that's both Germany and the US these are all factory teams and I realize that we have a couple independents but the point to make here, Andrew, that I really do see is a highly influential one is Acura slash HPD just spent a heck of bunch of money to have two hybrid GTP cars designed, developed, and then run, right? 
This past season, one car with Wayne Taylor Racing, now with Andretti Global, with Andretti, the other Meyershank Racing, heading into next year already. It's now actually the WTR with Andretti running both, but heard numbers, credible numbers, well over 20 million a year for serious factory GTP programs in IMSA, if not more and more for sure. These are big old dollars. If you look at IMSA's TV numbers compared to IndyCar, they're not really in the same league by any stretch of the imagination. So TV is a big thing we talk about. Hey, what kind of audience are you getting? And kind of value does that demonstrate? By comparison, IMSA, again, we want this to change instantly, but its TV ratings are tiny compared to indie cars. The cost to compete for a manufacturer with a two-car factory team 20 million, 30 million, who knows, right? It ain't cheap. What does it cost for manufacturer to supply engines and IndyCar for a season? I don't know what those numbers are, but I bet you whatever they are, they're not drastically out of the same range as a big factory GTP multi-car program. And so despite the fact, Andrew, that IMSA does not deliver TV ratings that are anything like IndyCar. Boy, those cars captured people's imagination. Tendence was up everywhere. TV ratings were up everywhere. And feedback was massive. I remember speaking with, I think, just in passing conversation with GM Motorsports boss Jim Campbell might have been at Petit Le Mans or might have been Indianapolis. I don't remember uh, the Indy the brick battle on the bricks IMSA race. Just had a real quick conversation of like, wow, this year's just been different, right? They've been there for years with Cadillac and DPI and with Corvette and GT class and all that, but it was just uh, chatting and not betraying any confidences. We were just acknowledging what it was. Just wow. Forget all the other standard metrics you would use to decide if your participation in a series was worth the dollars. Let's just talk about the the vibe and the buzz and the you energy. You talk about GTP to auto fans, just car people to whatever, and their eyes light up. They look amazing. They sound amazing. Just and so whatever it costs comes to measuring return on investment there's a definite feeling coming out of this andrew that whatever acura spent and i think the other brands as well in year one of hybrid racing in north america with gtp was a massive success and worth every penny and i think brother that that skewed things pretty heavily looking at okay well, now we're having to spend a ton to help IndyCar to go hybrid, as I mentioned previously. And we sure got the, the buzz and the smiles and the feel goods from IMSA. What if we're spending the same amount, if not more, to supply engines in IndyCar and we don't feel that buzz? Even if the TV ratings are bigger and even if the audiences are 
bigger at a lot of rate, even if all the standard metrics are up and clear and well over IMSA, just showing up year two, right? We already debuted in North America as a hybrid racing entities, Acura slash Honda. We just did that. So if we're going to do this in the future and stay beyond our current contract, you got a really hard bar of, of reference and measurement to clear IndyCar because we are smiling like you wouldn't believe about what we just got in year one of going hybrid there. So now coming in a year later and now potentially a year and a half later, <sighs> minus that feel good. Yep. Let's keep spending. Cause boy, folks are loving these cars and can't wait to see them and hear them. I think this is something we really need to consider. Andrew, um, IMSA set the bar really high. And I think that might be the thing that Acura Honda and HPD are now using to go, okay, well, we expect a lot more for what we spend. And so if we're not going to get that, then we need to bring down what we spend. So whatever it is that we do get is a lot more palatable. Uh, let's go to one final question for this episode, and then we'll bid farewell. Uh, James Malloy, you are up next. You say MP happy belated birthday. Thank you. You also say prayers to your wife and you, I mean, James, you're just knocking it out here. You say how much of a doomsday scenario is it? If Honda pulled out from IndyCar, any ideas if there's a contingency plan for a doomsday scenario like that? Um, asked that of Mark Miles. Didn't get a answer on do you have a formal plan? He mentioned, you know, we're always trying to think a few laps ahead. Um, suggesting that it's something that's been thought of, whether it's been actively discussed. And here, if the new, if we get the call from Chevy or Honda or whomever that they're out, uh, flip the playbook to page 213, and right there is what we do and how to react to losing one of our two manufacturers. If that exists, I'm unaware of it, and I didn't get that impression in our call. On the, so, uh, what about having to go to a single source or uh, what do you think about this, that, and the other? And uh, how would you get there to helping Honda to bring the cost down? He kept coming back to, as you might've read about getting that third manufacturer signed. It's also something that three days before in the EPAR trade racer speed sport uh, industry week video interview series he said he didn't wouldn't expect anything like that the acquiring of a third manufacturer to happen until after we go hybrid so if you think of the timing honda signed through 2026 in theory we'll be going hybrid halfway-ish through 2024 probably if you're thinking of courting another manufacturer i don't know if a half season is enough to really say hey see what we got now you want to sign on probably need to get through 2025 by then honda will have made a decision not necessarily stated publicly or informed indycar but by then 
probably have made a decision as to whether they're going to stay on beyond 2026. And you tend to get those agreements, you know, not at mid, you know, 1159 on the 31st of whatnot. You tend to get those things done a little bit early if there are plans to stay. So just to close here, I didn't get the feeling that there was a real, okay, flip to page 213. This is the whole run plan of what to do. We're calling over here. We're ordering 75 of those. And this, like, I don't believe that exists. But good Lord, it's something that needs to be run through if it doesn't. Because who's to say Honda won't have a different view or receive some of the cost reduction things that they're hoping for and say, yep, we're all in. And for whatever reason, Chevy says, Hey, by the way, uh, new CEO, new, this change and whatever, uh, we're out because they're signed through 2026 as well. So this is Honda being the first to say, Hey, there's potential trouble ahead for us unless we've, patch up that road and make it viable for us to continue down it for a long, long time. Also keep in mind that Chevrolet, who I've requested to speak with about these topics and more request is in waiting to hear back. Um, they tend to be the more positive or say nothing types. I don't know if they harbor the same concerns as Honda, but it'll be interesting to hear if and what they do have to say. If they choose to speak, they often choose not to about heavier forward-looking things. But Honda is the one to breach this very serious topic. They might be the only of the two manufacturers to harbor these concerns. Their concerns could change before we get to the end of their contract and they could decide to stay either reasons of their own or actions by IndyCar. We'll also have to see where Chevy fits into this, if they're willing to speak. And even if they're not willing to speak, if they choose to sign an extension or not. So some pretty serious things coming to the future of IndyCar technological standpoint from a looks and image and boy is this just grandpa's series or something that feels like it's a little more in touch with today and staying youthful and relevant manufacturers who's in who's out does it remain a manufacturer series meaning folks still make their own internal combustion engines there's a lot of questions here and that's where we are going to sign off It's not just the questions being posed to the series by those who are raising them, the important influential ones like a Honda, like a Pato Award. Whether the series chooses to listen and make decisions on some of these things on their own, which they haven't, right? That's a lot of what we have talked about today and spoken about and years past they don't have to make decisions on any of what we've discussed they can remain neutral zero decisions 
but that's when others start to make those moves for them. And a Honda says, okay, you did nothing and it still wasn't good for us and we're out. And then they, the series, need to decide what to do. Maybe write that contingency plan for page 213 of the playbook. Chevrolet interested in staying in the series if they are now a sole supplier. Uh, There's a lot of knock-on effects here. There's media negotiations going on with the series, right? Trying to find uh, either the same or a new and enriched uh, a wider reaching, more lucrative broadcast schedule partner. You'd want the series to look as strong and healthy and vibrant as possible while doing that, not having what looks like dumpster fire after dumpster fire. Could that impact how a name the NBCs and the whomevers of the world affect their valuation and how much they want to spend? Again, IndyCar can do nothing. Others will end up making the decisions for them and they will have to react. The great question here is if and when IndyCar will start being proactive, make real decisions on what it wants to do for its future, whether that's staying the same or evolving, and then see how the rest of its little ecosphere reacts. All right, I'm Marshall Pruitt. This is our Marshall Pruitt podcast brought to you by... Cooper Tires, the Justice Brothers, torontomotorsports.com, and Discount Tire. We didn't get to many of your questions, but the majority of the questions were the bigger ones from the last week or so. I'll come back to you here as soon as I can with a part two and dive in even deeper. And I'm guessing that episode might be a little bit longer, but appreciate y'all for everything you sent in. And we'll be back to you here with part two ASAP.